and welcome to another episode of Club and Resort Talks. Today's episode is sponsored by Texacraft. Texacraft has been an outdoor commercial furniture leader since 1975. For more than 40 years, they've been a trusted and reliable source for country clubs and resorts. Texacraft is committed to not only providing a quality product, but a quality experience for all customers. They don't just take pride in what they do, they take pride in how they do it. Learn more at texacraft.com. Got that out of the way. Let me introduce you to Phil Karen, our senior editor. Phil, how's it going? I'm doing well, Rob. How are you? Uh, terrific. Uh, weather's turning here, hopefully in Northeast Ohio and uh, yep. elsewhere in the country. Um, let's get on the golf course. I know. How about that? It, well, it, it, as we know, this time of year here in February, for us in Ohio, it's really just a tease. We know it's going to we know it's going to turn back the other way. Unfortunately, we're not quite there to turn the corner yet, but uh, yeah, it did make you think about getting on the golf course this week for sure. Yeah, really uh, April 1st is when we're starting April fool's day. Unfortunately, uh, April 1st, when we start really thinking about golf. So rest of February and March, we're, we're in the, in the crosshairs, unfortunately for a foot of snow, it could happen anytime. It could, it could so far knock on wood. We've been very fortunate this winter. Uh, but yeah, we know, Anytime uh, the weather could turn at any moment, uh, it always keeps things, keeps us on our toes, right? Yeah, it does. It's making us strong. <laughs> right. What are you seeing in the news? Well, and you know, with that in mind, as we're still in the winter, uh, I know we've had some nice weather this week, but I know we're probably going to get back to the to the more, uh, the doldrum winter. I thought I'd keep things on a real positive note as far as stories this week and uh, focus on that kind of stuff. For one, we've been talking about uh, paddle and pickleball and various racket sports that are becoming more popular with clubs around the country. Thought I'd mention one. Uh, this week we had a story, a place called Paddle Plus Pickle, Paddle and Pickle in Olivet, Missouri, which is about 12 miles from St. Louis. They're going to be opening a site with both paddle and pickleball courts on February 24th and 25th. Uh, some opening events there. Uh, they're going to have every they're going to have clinics, private lessons, leagues, open play, tournaments, kids club. Uh, the founder of it, Mike Puertas, said his vision was twofold to introduce these thrilling racket sports to our community and provide a hub for enthusiasts to come together, connect and elevate their passion for the game. So that looks like a great start. Um, I'm noticing that, too, with more places where they're trying to, you know, it's not just about the sport. It's also kind of providing a, a gathering place for people, sort of a community place Uh for people to connect with one another and uh, make connections in other parts of life too. Yeah, it's terrific. Paddle. We've heard about pickleball now for a couple of years, yes. uh, really since the beginning of, of COVID paddles really picking up. And we just, uh, our last podcast, we had uh, Santiago Gomez, Santiago Gomez probably uh, pronounced better. Um, and he was a uh, pickle house from uh, Brooklyn. Now he's going down to Nashville and they're going to be expanding nationally. So uh, paddles, paddles growing. Uh, looking forward to seeing more clubs getting into paddle. Absolutely. Absolutely. It should be, uh, should be interesting to see what happens with that uh, organization uh, out there in Missouri. Um, turning to some other good news, uh, Mineola Country Club in Mineola, Texas. I know we had a story last summer. They unfortunately saw their clubhouse burn down last August. But the good news now, flash forward here to uh, January 31st, uh, they had a group of uh, board and building committee members at the club. They had a groundbreaking ceremony. They are planning to rebuild the clubhouse on the same site 
of the building that unfortunately burned down last summer, building on the same site. Uh, they're working on those plans. Uh, it's expected to take about uh, nine months to rebuild. Uh, the board president, uh, he had said, you know, when it had happened uh, back in the summer, he said, I know no idea what was next. Uh, didn't know where to start. And today through our membership, through our community and through just support, we're fixing to rebuild. And I think that was just, just a great story. I was reading a little bit about that club too. That I guess they've had other struggles throughout their history. And, um, you know, the club president was kind of indicating that this is just another example though of um, a great spirit of, you know, the board members and the members themselves of the club working together to, uh, to make something happen and to revive the clubhouse uh, down there in Mineola. Yeah, like a, uh, like a phoenix rising from the ashes, right? And I don't know why Mineola makes me think of Minnesota, but uh, maybe it's Minneapolis. Maybe there's a Mineola in Minnesota, but uh, it does not sound like a Texas town to me. No, it doesn't. You're right. That's it, it's it's true. I had to kind of double check that before we came on here to make sure I was getting the the state correct on that one. But yes, it's a it, great story. I know they've had um, actually that was the other thing. Yes, the club president mentioned. Yes, they've had a lot of um, you know they've had almost a 100 year history out there. So Great Depression, World War II, droughts, and of course, most recently, COVID. Um, they've struggled through a lot of challenges through the years. But again, it's a strong group down there that are that want to make sure their club uh, continues for many years. So great story to see. Keep plugging away. Absolutely. Uh, the other one I was going to mention today, story-wise, was the uh, down in Florida, Bureau Beach, Florida, Orchid Island Golf and Beach Club just finished a big uh, renovation to their Arnold Palmer championship golf course. Um, actually, as I understand it from the story, we had the most significant one they've had since the course was first constructed back in 1990. And it was uh, Brandon Johnson. He's a golf course architect for Arnold, Arnold Palmer design company. Uh, they worked on it, um, worked on a project involving greens, tees, bunkers, short game area, driving range. Uh, biggest design changes they mentioned were to the ninth hole, uh, lower the fairway, remove bunkers to to provide a better view of the lake down there, uh, which is also interesting because, again, another touch, touched on that theme before, bunkers uh, being removed from golf courses. It seems like it's happening more. Um, also, the fifth hole on the green was moved a little bit to shorten the hole. Uh, seventh hole had the contour green contouring uh, modified a little bit. Uh, 13th hole also a change in the green contouring and the 18th hole had a reshaping of the green and the bunkering around it. So nice to see a big project out there. And also uh, from the environmental standpoint, they are a uh, certified Audubon sanctuary uh, course. And so they're committed to preserving uh, the wildlife that is found down there in Vero Beach. So good stuff to see. Yeah. You know, I love anything that includes the Audubon uh, mm -hmm. certified sanctuary, uh, environment's huge. And I spoke with, uh, somebody at the uh, recent GCSAA conference and trade show about it as well. And while we're talking about Florida, I had mentioned, um, earlier too, that, uh, Gainesville country club was recently auctioned for, uh, I think a little more than $2 million. Conversely now, uh, Atlanta, there's an Atlanta club, the country club of Gwinnett that's going up for auction. I believe, uh, March 20th will be up for op option, auction, but March 18th is when the online bidding starts, and it's only going to start at $650,000. So when you look at the $2 million plus for Gainesville Country Club, 
that $650,000 for the country club of Gwinnett in Snellville, Georgia, seems like a real bargain, huh? It does. It does sound like a bargain. That's interesting to notice that. Um, and so that's an online, be an auction, what, goes over a couple days is that right yeah yeah i think it starts so it starts on the 18th march 18th mm -hmm. and uh the official auction will be the 20 i guess when when they make the decision who's go, who's going to be getting it hopefully it goes to somebody who wants to keep it a golf course and not somebody who wants to um redevelop it into a shopping mall or homes uh you know that's hey it's, it's up to them. if they own the property they own the property if it's zoning is okay for it but uh you know being being golfers we want to see golf courses Absolutely. Right. I was, I was thinking the same thing. That's always the interesting issue with those when there's a property goes up for auction like that. Um, obviously highest best bidder gets it. And, but you do of course run the risk that uh, it may not be a golf course or a club or that kind of facility anymore. We, of course, in our world, yes, we're hoping that it continues to be that way. And um, hopefully it works out that way for uh, the folks there in Georgia. Well, you and I are both newspaper guys uh, in the past, and we know all about the zoning boards. And if it's not yes. uh, zoned residential or zoned commercial, uh, then there's a good chance it's going to stay a golf course or at least some kind of more environmentally friendly thing, a park or something along that line. I'd much rather see it a park than um, townhomes. But again, that's me. Uh, it's not my money. It's just my desire. Right, right. That brings up a point, too, that sometimes, yes, um, that – Again, that will work in the favor of uh, maintaining it as a as a golf course or something like that. Indeed, by zoning, it is true. Zoning laws get interesting to. It's interesting to learn about that stuff because it actually really affects our way. You know what we're doing in our lives and what can be built here and there, and a lot of times that does dictate uh, whether something gets to remain a golf course or not. And actually, in that case, it does kind of work in that favor because oftentimes that zoning it may be restricted to, again, a golf course type use, or like you said, a park or some kind of preserved area rather than say building uh, a bunch of townhomes or condominiums. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, speaking of uh, zoning and government regulations, I am sure that um, your interview that's coming right up, they had to go through quite a bit of through the planning commission. We're talking about lighting a golf course. Uh, we have an update, I believe on a previous article and podcast can you tell us a little something about what people can expect to uh watch next absolutely rob yeah i had a chance recently to catch up with pete wilson he's co-founder of grass clippings and um actually i should mention very quickly about that that company was actually founded it was he and a group of friends uh longtime friends i believe got together and that's actually grass clippings is actually an apparel company which shines a spotlight on the folks who work on golf courses, your superintendents, your director of agronomy, your uh, greenskeepers, the people who are doing the work, the blood, sweat, and tears of maintaining golf courses at country clubs and golf clubs throughout the country. So that's how it started. They're doing that, and they still very much are continuing that operation as well. Well, what they did most recently was they got together and they um, signed a 50-year lease with the city of Tempe, Arizona, they took over operations of Rolling Hills Golf Course out there in Tempe. And yes, they I am sure they went through a lot of different uh, government meetings, planning commission type meetings, zoning board, what have you, to get all this together. Because they, on December 1st, 
of this past year, they opened a golf course at reopened the golf course at Rolling Hills. By day, it's an 18 hole executive golf course at night though. It's an 18 hole par three course. That's right. Nighttime. It's the only lighted golf course in the state of Arizona. I know, I know in talking to Pete, there were times that I think they felt like it wasn't going to happen. It was a very long process to make it happen. Only lighted golf course in the state of Arizona. They've now been open for about two months. So it seemed like a great time to catch up with him. And I mentioned this before we jumped on it. So far, this is my favorite interview um, that I've done here on Club and Resort Talks. Fantastic uh, conversation. Well, our buddy Chris Strauss from Troon was just uh, just posted something on LinkedIn about uh, the good, good uh, tournament that they had at yes. um, Rolling Hills. So Rolling Hills? Yes, that's correct. Yeah. It's Rolling uh Yes, Rolling Hills. I, had yeah, I almost said Rolling episode. Acres. I don't know why, but uh, yes. yeah, Rolling Hills. So, um, you know, we've been familiar with this for a while now, and I believe this is going to be on. Uh, it's on TV, so people can watch it. And you mentioned that in your podcast as well. Yes, so, um, good stuff coming out. And we've talked before that. Uh, I mean, now December, January, February is great for night golf, but down in Arizona, June, July, August, September—that's when they're really going to. Uh, be a benefit to the the society down there. So, uh, you know, God bless them. Yes, absolutely. It's it's exciting stuff. And I think the other thing you'll hear Pete mention too, is they're really trying to, um, it kind of goes along with the night golf, just to try to, he and his group, his business partners and friends are very committed to making golf a very inclusive game. They're very much about growing the game and making it something that's welcoming to everybody. And you'll hear him talk about that too in the conversation. All right. Terrific. Enough about you and me. Let's get to Pete. Well, welcome back to Club and Resort Talks. Last September, we visited with Pete Wilson. He's co-founder of Grass Clippings. Uh, Grass Company Clippings was a company that Pete founded with a group of friends. Uh, the company signed a 50-year lease with the city of Tempe, Arizona to take over all operations at Rolling Hills Golf Course in Tempe. We visited with Pete, as I mentioned, last September. Since then, December 1st, Grass Clippings opened a golf course at Rolling Hills in Tempe. By day, Rolling Hills is an 18-hole executive golf course. By night, Rolling Hills is an 18-hole par 3 course. That's right, you heard, by night. Rolling Hills is the only lighted 18-hole golf course in the state of Arizona. And it's one of only about 20 or so lighted golf courses in the United States. It's exciting stuff for sure. And now that it's been a couple of months since the opening, we wanted to check back in to see how everything was going. So once again, I am joined by Pete Wilson, co-founder of Grass Clippings. Pete, welcome back to Club and Resort Talks. Thanks for having me. Happy to be back on. Great. Great to have you back. And actually, for the record, I don't know my, my co-worker, co-host on this, Rob Thomas, also interviews folks from time to time. I don't know if he's had a repeat guest yet, but you are. You have the honor of being my first repeat guest on Club and Resort Talk. So congratulations on that. <laughs> well, I'm honored. Honored to be here. <laughs> Excellent. So great to have you back. And for the benefit, I know we talked in September. We talked about the formation of, of your company and, and how you got into taking over operations at Rolling Hills Golf Course. But for the benefit of folks who didn't, who perhaps didn't get to hear that first podcast, maybe just have you sort of briefly retell the story of how Grass Clippings got started and then how that's now led to um, operating Rolling Hills Golf Course in Tempe. You know, it was 
a really organic way of a, of a company coming together. Um, it was a group of friends, best friends that all have had um, been heavily impacted by the game of golf. We all grew up playing golf at, you know, three years old. And there was something instilled in us in that culture and that community of golf that we, we just always kept with us. Um, we were off doing other jobs um, and something struck us. We were like, we, one of our, one of our co-founders, Jimmy Hoselton was playing professional golf and you always see guys standing on the first tee. And I mentioned this in our last, last interviews, you know, guys wearing a tailor-made hat or a ping hat or this and that nothing against those companies. They're great companies, but in terms of like golf, if you understand golf from a golfer's perspective, when you put on a hat and you go out and play in a big tournament, that hat means something. And it better, it better means something because that could be the difference between winning and losing. Um, so we wanted to create a, a clothing brand and um, inspire young golfers, old golfers to, to play for something. You know, I, we always say play for the shop. That's what we say. Cause we have our retail store in Arcadia. Um, but the, and so in thinking of, you know, what really impacted us the most in throughout our journey in golf is we always thought about the, the, the conversations we had with greenskeepers in the maintenance shed, having coffee, going to talk to them about the golf course. And it was so odd to us that these greenskeepers were the ones that were doing all the work on the golf course, you know, showing up at 3 a.m., 4 a.m. and staying till, you know, our, our greenskeepers. I mean, I don't even know if he goes home at this point. It's 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 so inspiring and in, in the work they do. We were just gravitated towards that whole notion of these guys are the real heroes, the, the unsung heroes, and no one ever talks about them. They're typically off in the distance, you know, hit behind oleanders or something, and you know, they're kind of these, these mystical creatures. And we were like, why are why are we not celebrating these people? Um, so we created a company called Grass Clippings. Our slogan is stay grassy. Um, and in tandem with doing that, we, we created a, a golf tournament. Um, and we sat down at the table we, and we said, you know, we've been to certain golf tournaments that are incredible. There's a culture to them. You know, I can, I can list a, a handful of them, but there really isn't that many here in Arizona. You know, obviously we have the Phoenix open, but that's the top of the professional ranks, but for amateur golfers and your everyday golfers, there really isn't this kind of rallying cry of a tournament that brings everyone together. So we sat down and we, we, we came together and we said, you know, you don't want to show up at a course and, and, and be given 10 strokes to somebody, you know, it, it just takes the competitive nature out of it. Uh, but at the same time, there is a gap between talent. So how do we get everyone on the same playing field um, and get everyone having shared excitement, shared enthusiasm for uh, the competition. And what we settled on was a par three course, uh, two man scramble. And we put this tournament on and a community was built out of that. It was, you know, one of our best friends, you know, he's, he has it tat, you know, starred on his, on his calendar every year. He's like, all I got to do is get ready for the grass clippings open. And that just created, we started to see something, started to see something forming and building. Um, and the course we did it at, we were always constrained on what we could do in terms of, you know, we, we were rushed off the course because of sunlight. There was resident residential homes right there. So we couldn't put up grandstands or we couldn't do this. We couldn't bring in TV crews or anything like that. So Knowing this and, 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 and really inspired and led by the idea that we wanted to grow this community, um, we went out looking for a golf course that we could either buy and build or, um, or take over on a lease and put improvements into. And uh, there was this, this, this diamond in the rough, a gem of a, of a property in uh, Tempe, Arizona, down the street from where we live. Um, it had, it had not gotten in our opinion as much love as it should have from, um, you know, 
and there were some there were some great employees here, but as an overall, uh, you know, these golf courses, a lot goes into it. And so there were some things that could be improved. And one of those things was building, building a really strong community um, and inspiring young players uh, of all demographics and even older players to come get into the game of golf and embrace it. And that led us to uh, approaching the city of Tempe. There was an RFP process and we won the lease agreement um, for 50 years at uh, grass clippings, rolling Hills now. And uh, couldn't be more excited. Now that is exciting for sure. Um, definitely. And, but you know what, before we get into the night golf aspect of this, talk a little bit about, and you were starting to touch on it a little bit in your, your answer. Talk a little bit about the, um, the sort of unique atmosphere and culture you're trying to create out there at, at Rolling Hills golf course, and maybe how it runs a little more, a little bit counter to what traditional approaches to golf are. We talk about that a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I've worked at golf courses, you know, in my past life, you know, and uh, I've obviously been to a lot of golf courses and, and nothing against any other golf course, but they're, it's a lot of the same. Um, and what we really wanted to do, and this is, you know, this extends beyond golf, this is just life, is you want to employ people and empower them and make them feel like they own their their sandbox and they, they're at liberty to make decisions. And when you do things like that and and you want to see the growth in, in your employees to, you know, if they go on to another job and a bigger and better job, that's, that's good. That's a good thing. Um, and it's the, the culture that we're all, the ownership's here for them and, and they're here for us. Um, and we, we empower them to, you know, we got Don Hess is our director of agronomy. Brian Bennett's is our sales events, marketing. I can, he's got too many titles to name. Uh, Mikey is our outside service, uh, guy, but he's, he's got 16 different titles too. Um, and they all feel like this is their home. Scotty, our superintendent, he has full control on the golf course. We don't get in his grill and, and ever do that. Um, and, and, and he's, he's created a culture in the maintenance shed with his, with his crew. That is nothing short of inspiring. It's unbelievable. And, um, and it, it's, there's, there's this, this. I hate to use the word synergy because it's always used too much, but there's this synergy between all employees that everyone's bought into a collective vision and everyone knows they have each other's back. Um, and when you do that, it, 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 it reflects upon the customer, upon the people walking to the pro shop there, they can feel that. Um, and it's a, it's a big reason why we have repeat customers now is because, you know, they understand we're still under construction, but they're like, you know what? I just want to be around the culture. Um, and around the people around here. And it just, uh, it takes me back to like, you know, small town golf. You know, I, I used to spend my summers up in a small town in Minnesota and there was something so unique, so authentic about the culture, the people, the experiences. Um, and that's what we're trying to emulate here. Hmm. And um, that, you know, it, it's, it's really special. And we, we, we're, we're only as good as our employees and we did a really good job of, of finding the right people. Excellent. Sounds wonderful. Um, one thing now, I guess then too, though, let's talk a little bit now about the, uh, the course itself. Um, tell us a little bit about the layout of the course and kind of what challenges it presents for golfers at, at whatever level they're at. Yeah. So, um, one of the big things with, uh, the city of Tempe going back and forth was, you know, they're very, um, conscious about, uh, the, the water situation here in Arizona. So, you know, turf reduction, um, was, 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 was a big thing. Um, 
and and the amount of water we were using. So the, the goal was to come in here and was to rapidly uh, improve the, the greens, the fairway approaches, and the tee boxes. And, um, and Scotty has done an incredible job. Like I said in our last time we called, Scott Hebert came from uh, TPC Scottsdale. So he is, it's unbelievable he's here. We, we, we pinch ourselves yeah. every day. Um, and he's done what he what he always does. So, um, you know, all of the all of the green surface areas are incredible. Um, but with all that construction that went on when he was doing overseed, we had cranes driving out here through the golf course to put up light poles. So there were certain areas that, you know, got beat up. Um, and so what he's done now is now he's restoring the earth. He's he's been he's been uh, I forget the term uh, tilling it. And, and it's bringing up all these rocks that then we're going to uh, that we're going to improve and make uh, more aesthetically pleasing and playable. But it's 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 very much a work in progress with everything we have going on. Um, you know, our our hope was when we when we were going down this road was to not have to do this process where we're doing work and running an operation. Um, but so many people call this home that we were like, we'll do it. So it's a mixture of, you know, constructions going on. There's moving parts. Uh, and all that but from uh, a playability perspective you know the greens are i i i get goosebumps i'm looking at them right now it it, it it's unbelievable uh it's it, he's done an incredible job um and it's only going to get better and it's a, it's a fun golf course to play uh at night it's like i said it's a par three course but it's a challenging par three course this is a course that's going to hold up with some of the best players in the world so um but at the same time, if you're just getting into the game, you can enjoy this just as much. Excellent. That's that's great to hear. And I know that's part of what your philosophy is, too. You're trying to to, to really have the game be for everybody out there, for sure. Right? Yeah. In the end, and the, th the way I look at it is like, uh, you know, for instance, on Wednesday, and we'll get into this, you know, Michael Block will be out here playing golf in a, in a tournament. And the idea that the vision we have is like, imagine Michael Block standing next to a kid who's from Tempe, who's never played golf before. And you have him try, trying to encourage him to get into the game and, hey, put your hands back a little bit. Don't putt like this. Don't do that. That is when you're growing the game, you're taking the the, the top of, you know, the, the, the top 1% of the, the, the professional golfers and the people that have never played before and blending them into the same scene and both are respected equally. That's truly growing the game. Um, and, and that, yeah, that, like, like I, like you said, it's, it's, it's big, uh, in our philosophy. Right. I was struck by actually getting ready for this interview last night. I was watching a video of you were talking about the idea that oftentimes I never heard it framed this way, but I thought well, that's so true. Having, I've also grown up with golf and played all throughout my life. The golf is very much a game of, there's a lot of no's in golf. You want to have more yeses. And I know what you mean. I feel like I remember when I was on a golf course with my dad the first time, it's always this and that. Oh, no talking, you know, don't walk in that guy's line. Don't, you know, you know, don't put your bag there. You got to put it there. This, you know, a lot of no's are going on, which and that's fine. There, there's a lot of rules and we understand that and appreciate it. But uh, it's sort of, it was interesting to hear how you're trying to approach this of offering a place where, more yeses are happening than no's than typically happen at golf courses, I guess. Right. Yeah. And believe, believe me, we are purists of the, you know, golf purists and and, mm -hmm. and we respect the tra traditions of the game more than anything, but sure. 
extent that it gets a little crazy where people, you know, walk out on a putting green. I, I read a tweet from a, a golf journalist the other day where he's out on a putting green um, and his son wasn't wearing a collared shirt and his son's like four years old. And he asked the, the pro asked them to leave. And I just, I thought to myself, I'm like, what are we doing? What are we doing? And so it's, again, we, we, I get goosebumps thinking about the tr traditions of golf, but you gotta, you know, have a, a rational mind and say just some, some stuff's a little overboard. Right. Right. Gotta let, gotta let uh common sense still make its way into our uh, top of mind, if you will. Exactly. Um, yeah. So on the night golf, the more itself, uh, I look get more in the specifics about that, Pete. So the course itself, um, so when does it, is it sunset then is essentially the course transitions into being the nighttime setup. Can you talk about how that works a little bit? Yeah. It's so we typically turn the lights on at, um, you know, three o'clock or four o'clock, just, you know, an hour or two before it gets dark, just to make sure the lights are on. Um, and, uh, but it, you can play it as an executive course until it gets dark until the lights come on. And then we have our Rangers going out and moving the T box. Uh, T boxes or the, the T markers to the par three T boxes um, at the appropriate time. So it kind of transitions nat naturally, but it's funny. You, you, you say that uh, thinking about a T sheet, what we've come to find is that I, I, I attest to it. It's my favorite time to play. And and other people have shared the, the same sentiment is, you know, on your typical golf course, you get run off the golf course at sunset where I have the ability where people are teeing off at sunset. And the first six holes they're playing amongst the a beautiful sunset over South Mountain over here. I mean, every day it sets up just incredible. Um, and then as the sun uh, sinks below the horizon, you're now under lights playing in, in, in the dark. So uh, it's it's a really cool experience. And we found that those tea times have been extremely popular amongst players. Right. You mean specifically tea times that are happening right around that sunset and just after, I'm guessing, yeah. right? It depends on the time of year, but like right now it's, it's the anywhere from the three 30 to the five 30 uh, block of tee times are really popular. So, okay. I saw on the website, uh, nighttime golf right now, it's sunset to midnight are the hours essentially. Is that correct? Yeah. For night golf. I mean, so night the golf, tee sheet right? open, yeah, opens up in the morning, just mm -hmm. like any other golf course, sure. depending on uh, time of year, 7am, 8am all the way to, we close, we turn the lights off at midnight. And the last tea time you can get is a nine hole tea time at nine fifty PM. Okay. Okay. So that's the last one there. What can you talk yeah. a little bit? Cause that's uh, obviously that's a whole different world to us here in the United States, as far as having regular night golf seven days a week and everything. What kind of went into the decision about what the hour, you know, the hours are essentially sunset to midnight. So how did that, how'd you guys figure that out as being the hours at this point? Well, we, we took, we turned on the lights, um, when, when, uh, in the winter, so that we were kind of limited on the amount of s sun. So we, we figured we, we try to, um, extend the hours as much as possible. We kind of, we, we inked it as 11 PM and, you know, internally, some people are like, no, one's going to come play golf at so-and-so time and be up that late. And we were, you know, those comments were <laughs> quickly, quickly, uh, turned into a different conversation. So um, it's been much of a process, but the, the, the popularity and the demand for the product has been so, uh, so well received that, you know, we're now open till midnight every night. Okay. Excellent. And uh, 
also so far then I, I think I think you've already heard you mentioning that having repeat customers and everything. Um, talk about feedback you've I, I first of all, I assume you've received a lot of positive feedback from players. And if if so, maybe talk about specifically what they like about the the nighttime golf setup and the course itself, of course. Yeah, well, well, it's a couple things. I mean, this property is very un unique in the sense that the topography, you know, is is off the charts. The elevation changes throughout the golf course um, makes it challenging and fun. Um, and then now the conditions are, are are so much better on the greens and the surrounding areas, the tee boxes and everything. Um, and then the novelty of golf, you know, I've, we've I sat up here um, at our restaurant the other night talking to uh, a teacher from a local high school here. And he was like, he's like, I got to tell you, it was at 8 PM. He's like, I got to tell you, you know, this is really a game changer for me. And I was like, what do you mean by that? He goes, he's like, just the fact that, you know, I just put my kids down and my wife's still at home and she let me come out here and I'm hitting balls. And I'm talking to you. I'm chipping, I'm putting, and I'm probably not going to go home for another hour or two. He's like, you know, it, it, it's, it's not just a novelty, but it's actually, you know, I don't want to say changing people's lives, but it's, it's offering, um, you know, a source of happiness and enjoyment for a lot of people. And, 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 and that's, that's huge. So the ability to play at night is, is, is really, really special, but, to be honest, I think the the resounding um, response we get is less about golf at all. It's about the culture. It's about the people. They just want to sit around and hang. Most people just come show up and hang out in our pro shop to talk to our employees. Um, again, it goes back to not only our philosophy, but you know, hiring the right people and 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 having people on property that share the same vision um, and and buy into it, and we're all on the same team. Uh, again, that's reflected. Uh, reflected to to the customer so i i really think that's the biggest part beyond the night golf right that's that's the draw if you will yeah, yeah. excellent and then talk about too it's been a couple months now with night golf maybe talk about some of the special events you've hosted out there yeah we've uh we've had a, a ton of events and we have a ton of events coming up um you know first and foremost when we took over the golf course there was no junior programming there was you know um there, there wasn't anybody teaching lessons or anything like that. It was, it, it was, it was kind of sad to me to think that this is this property wasn't encouraging young people to get into the game. So we had a a, a woman, a, a girls junior event with over like a hundred players out here uh, one Saturday morning. The 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 girls uh, AGAA, uh, fantastic people, um, came out here and held a, a huge event for for all these young girls and they all loved it. And some had been playing for a while. Some, it was their first time. And the response was, oh my, I can't wait to come back and do this again. This is incredible. Um, so that like warms my heart just to start. It's like, you know, we're, we're starting to make those, those strides to, to do the things that we were, we were committed to from the beginning. Um, another great event was uh, actually was Tuesday night of this week. Uh, the, the, the greenskeeper association has been in town for their conference and um, a guy named Brian Laurent, who runs a company called Superintendent Network, um, and he essentially is like a journalist that that documents uh, the work of superintendents. And he does an incredible job. And he's created such a unique network of, of greenskeepers. Uh, they all came out and played in a tournament out here. Uh, they took over the course that night. They started tee off. Every, it was a shotgun at 630, um, and our greenskeeper played in it. And to be honest, I think that was the moment where everything kind of hit, you know, we've, we've been doing a lot of stuff out here. We've talked to a lot of people. 
and a lot of cool things are going on. But to be honest, even with the big events we have coming up, the superintendent network event is like, it gives me goosebumps. Like it could make me cry because that's why we, we started this whole thing like this and they're all out here and you have every superintendent walking up and saying, you know, thank you so much for what you're doing and bringing, um, and bringing us into the light. And then looking at Scotty and saying, Scotty, you're doing a phenomenal job and all that stuff. So it was a real, you know, full circle, uh, event that, that gives me goosebumps. Um, yeah. and then, and on, on top of that, we, uh, you know, we have our first televised event on NBC Peacock coming um, on February 7th, this this uh, coming week, uh, with a laundry list of celebrities and things like that. Um, for, for it's pretty crazy. You know, I didn't think it was, these things were going to be happening this quickly. I, 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 we always knew that that was kind of the grand vision of having great events, building the game, growing the game, putting on events like that. So the young golfers have something to aspire to play in. Um, and so it's a mixture of, of, of these, those big events and then the sentimental events. And then on top of that, just, uh, you know, community events, there's a ton of, there's a ton of office buildings right here, headquarters mm -hmm. to a ton of companies. And they're now booking like monthly, you know, outings for their whole company. And oh, wow. they're kind of looking at this place as like a second home for their employees and a, a pride of joy for the community. So, um, it's a confluence of a lot of different types of events. And um, it's just, it's, it's super exciting to see uh, where, where this can evolve into. Excellent. Sounds, sounds outstanding. It really does. And it's interesting to talk about that with the, the super, the course superintendents so far, I've, I've made a few trips in my role here as editor of the magazine trips out to, to clubs, to courses. And of course, Hey, if I want to know, <laughs> If I want to know the ins and outs of the golf course, that's who I'm talking to. I'm talking to the superintendent and the uh, director of agronomy. They're, they're the people who know, who know, oh. who are going to give me the, my best material to then write about uh, for that, for the magazine and for online. Yeah. They're the ones who are going to do it for it, me, for sure. Yeah. It, it's to the point now where I call Scotty when I'm at home. I'm like, hey, uh, my, my faucet's not working. Hey, the, I can't get my lawnmower to start. Hey, Roberto, uh, can you, what would I do with my car? And they're like, really, Pete? Okay, so do this. And like, so, believe me, they're, they know a lot more well beyond the golf course too. These guys are, oh yeah, are yeah. brilliant in my opinion. So. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, and then back and then all great with superintendents and everything too, but also to mention, I know that, I, I think it's fair to say that having sort of a, night golf like this was sort of a long time ambition of you and, and your business partners and friends, I should say too, as well. Is that right? Yep. And tell us about, tell us about, I guess, kind of why that was uh, important to you, why you thought night golf was something that could catch on here in, in our country. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm sure I touched on it uh, in our last call, but again, yeah. it goes back to, I mean, growing the game, is the ultimate goal. And, and what we mean by growing the game is, is growing the moments, growing the stage. Um, and if you look back in the history of sports, when lights turn on, on, on a football stadium, you know, on a baseball field, it transforms the game in terms of interest. Um, and we thought to ourselves, you know, there's, there's, there's kids that are choosing to play football and baseball, basketball, for a certain reason and not turning to golf. And, you know, my hypothesis was, you know, 
there's a much different experience if you're a high high school wide receiver mm-hmm. uh, in football and you walk into a stadium and it's packed with 2,000 people and the lights are on and the music's playing. You are invigorated. You are, I mean, that, that the adrenaline going through your body, that's what makes people want to play sports. And uh, golf, t- t- for some reason, doesn't have that. You know, outside of the Phoenix Open and then the elite, elite professional events, if you play in high school golf right now, you know, you'd be lucky to get your mom and dad to show up to walk on these long courses during the day, let alone 2,000 fans. So we figured in using that as analogy, if we turned the lights on, much like they turned it on in the NFL and um, in the Major League Baseball, that stage becomes bigger, the interest becomes bigger, and hopefully those kids that are choosing to play baseball may be like, you know what, that actually looks pretty awesome. Um, I want to hit a nine iron on hole 18 with 3,000 people watching with the chance to win a tournament and become a legend. And so that was the real motivation behind that. And then and then to add to that, all the business side of things just made sense from the ability to play golf uh, at night for working mothers and fathers and every, and, and, you know, in your average golfer, it just opens up so much more freedom for them. But um, again, it's, it's really about creating the stage, the platform um, and get people to be jacked up on golf. Excellent. So now back on, on the course itself, what are any other plans? I know we mentioned the event that's coming up with Peacock, but other I guess, events or leagues, programs that are upcoming that you'd like to mention right now? Yeah, we're, I mean, we're going to make a big announcement next week about our own internal uh, league um, or internal, but it's, it's, uh, it's going to be hosted here. Uh, there's a lot of energy behind it, a lot of different partners involved and, um, and, and with partners that share the same vision of building that stage for, for golfers. Um, so maybe we, maybe we do this call for the third time, uh, a couple months sure. from now, and we can talk about that. <laughs> I'll be your first three-peat guest. <laughs> hey, there we go. I like that. I love um, the idea. Yeah. So yeah. We, we, have a, we have our own events. We have other events like, you know, the superintendent type of stuff uh, coming through all the time. So it, the, there's a lot of activity at the golf course at all times. Um, and then we're, we're obviously still under construction. The pro shop should be done in the next uh, three weeks. Then we're going to transition our current pro shop, which is now the restaurant, um, or will will be the restaurant, back to the new pro shop. Start construction on the 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 restaurant clubhouse, the event lawn, which is just dirt sitting here right now. This is all going to be grass and event lawn, little concert venue, all the bells and whistles, an outdoor bar over here. Uh, we're also do redoing the driving range. The driving range is in um, you know not the most ideal conditions right now because we're waiting to get construction and there's been so much, so much activity here. Um, but we're hit, putting in hitting bays, you know, top tracer technology, all the bells and whistles there. So um, there's a lot to be done here on property coming up. And and Scotty is still, uh, you know, got his hands full. He's making the course better every, every single day. Um, so yeah, we got, we got a lot of work ahead of us. Great. Sounds great, Pete. Uh, hey, Congratulations to what you've done so far. It's exciting. It's uh, interesting. It's unique. It's uh, a different approach to the game. And I love I love anybody who who brings out a different philosophy. I don't mean we're just talking about golf, just anything, a different approach to things um, that will hopefully, uh, that, that I think will uh, be for the betterment of our world for sure. And I, pr- I appreciate what you guys are doing with it. Uh, it's an exciting approach to to the game of golf and 
I hope it I hope it works out really well for you guys out there. Well, we appreciate you having us on and uh, and and talking with us. So, um, again, hopefully we have that three peat call. <laughs> yes, I definitely hope to have a three peat call. Well, Pete, good luck to you with everything. Uh, appreciate you having. All righty. Thank you. And thank you so much. We'll talk soon. All right. Thanks, Pete. Take care.